following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Susan. I'm going to be sharing God's word this morning. If um, you've been coming along for the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been going through a series, New Year's Attitudes, and um, looking at some of the attitudes like um, the fear of the Lord, humility, hope, joy, contentment, and peace. And today we're going to be looking at confidence. Confidence. So you might be familiar with this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse um, 16. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, and it says, Let us, therefore, let us, with privilege, approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need. An appropriate blessing coming just at the right time. I'm just going to quickly pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're already doing this morning through the words in worship, through communion. And Lord, we just ask that you would breathe understanding of your word this morning. Help us to understand your word. Help us to apply it to our lives that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, Lord God. Pray that you would just uh, remove any distraction this morning, Lord, so that we can just receive everything that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was thinking about confidence and thinking back to some of the other words and the other New Year's attitudes, I was kind of thinking confidence seems to contradict the fear of the Lord and humility. At first glance, it seems like they're at odds with one another, but as we unpack this, I'm hoping that we'll sort of see how they actually complement one another. So in the very first week of this series, Hill was talking about fear of the Lord as as the first attitude, and he was focusing on God's holiness and his perfection. And this is really shown through um, the Old Testament when um, the the laws of the time with with the the temple that the only person that was allowed to access the holy of holies where where God's presence was manifest was the high priest and he could only do that once a year on the the day of atonement after he had been ceremonially ceremonially cleansed. Um, in fact, if anyone else entered the holy of holies or if uh, the high priest entered on a different date, they'd be struck dead. That's how holy that place was. Um, and, and that demonstrates how holy God's presence is. So then how do we balance the fact that God is to be approached with fear and reverence, but then the passage in Hebrews 4 to say, come boldly before him and come boldly into his throne room? Well, I think the bridge between holy reverence and confidence is the cross. In Matthew 27, verse 50 to 51, it says, When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
God's design for humanity was for us to be in communion with him. Just like back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, he had designed humanity to be able to walk with him. But as soon as sin had entered the Garden of Eden, that connection and that communion was broken. God couldn't be in the presence of sin. And so as soon as Christ died and the curtain was torn in two, it meant that God's presence was no longer restricted to the Holy of Holies. It means that we now have direct access to God's presence because Christ has paid for our sin and dealt with it once and for all. The confidence that we have to enter the Lord's presence is only through Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. In Ephesians 3 verse 12, it says, Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him, that is our faith gives us sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God through Christ. It's only through Christ that we can approach God with this boldness and and confidence. And again, going back to the passage in Hebrews 4, but now reading the verse before it, Um, So 15 and 16 this time, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every aspect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, with privilege, um, let us approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favour with confidence and without fear. So again, it's only through Jesus being the ultimate high priest for us that we have this confidence and boldness to um, come before the Lord. So I'm going to look at sort of two questions this morning of, well, how is it that we have this confidence or why do we have this confidence through Jesus? And then what should we do with it? Um, So to fully appreciate what Jesus has done for us on the cross and the confidence that we have through him, I just want to spend a bit of time, I guess, going back again, revisiting the Old Testament and and the systems that were in place before that. So we're going to read um, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 1 to 25. It's quite a long passage. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, verse 1 to 25. It says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first 
to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sins, for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So coming back to that first question, why do we have confidence through Christ? Well, in verse 17 of that passage, it says, God remembers our sin no more. Our sin is remembered no more. Now, this isn't saying that God's forgetful, that he's got a bad memory, Um, But he no longer holds our sin against us. In 1 John 1 verse 9 it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then in Hebrews 9 verse 14 it says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that led to death so that we may serve the living God. Another passage that you're probably very familiar with in Romans 8 verse 1 to 2, therefore there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe him as personal Lord and Saviour. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and death. We've got this promise that that God will remember our sin no more and that when we confess our sin, he is going to forgive us. So we need to be quick to repent and confess our sins to receive that forgiveness and to to come back into his presence, um, knowing that he welcomes us with open arms, that he's not condemning us, that he isn't angry with us, but he's waiting for us to, to be made right with him again. I remember about... I was probably about 15, 20 years ago now, um, I was picking up a friend from the international airport 
and um, we'd gotten there a little bit early and so obviously waiting in the arrivals hall and, and seeing sort of that love actually scene where people come out of the, um, you know, the glass doors and walk down the ramp and are reunited with friends and family. And there was this one elderly couple who were walking down the ramp and the, a young family waiting to greet them and this little girl, she was probably about seven or eight years old, ran to her grandfather, leapt up into his arm and just arms and legs just embraced him. It's going to make me cry. Every time I thought, have thought about this moment, it was just such a precious thing to watch. This little girl who obviously loved her grandfather so dearly and just was so uninhibited in being able to welcome him and love him. It was just, it was so precious to watch that. And I remember at the time just feeling sort of prompted in my spirit of God saying, that's how I want you to embrace me. That he doesn't want us to shy away from him or feel like, yeah, he's angry with us or that we need to come before him with fear and trepidation. That he wants us to run towards him and to embrace him because that's how he embraces us. So the first thing, the reason why we have confidence is because he remembers our sin no more, that we have no condemnation through Christ. The second thing in verse 18 is that sacrifice is no longer needed for our sins. Um, And this is also shown in verse 11 to 12. It says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. The sacrifices that were offered by the Israelites each year on the Day of Atonement, they managed their sin, but it never actually dealt with or cured their sin. It never actually um, cured the consequences of sin. And I think how often do we actually fall into that trap thinking that we have to earn God's love, that we have to earn his forgiveness, that we need to make up for, you know, the the wrong things that we do. But there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love or forgiveness because Jesus' sacrifice was final and it accomplished it all. So we have confidence through Christ because he remembers our sin no more that we no longer need to offer sacrifices. And the third thing is because we've been made holy and perfect through Jesus' sacrifice. And this is again highlighted in verse 10 and verse 14. Verse 10 says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then 14, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Not only have we had our sins forgiven, but we have been made holy and we share in Christ's holiness. Through Jesus, when God looks at us, he sees, God, uh, he sees Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' holiness and that allows us that confidence that we can come before him because our sin has been completely dealt with. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And what a great thing to to just have that confidence in that, that we share in Christ's holiness. 
So we have holiness, uh, we have confidence because he remembers our sin no more, that sacrifice is no longer needed, that we've been made holy and perfect through Jesus. And so this now, number four, can make, allow us to confidently enter the most holy place, God's presence. And this is shown in verse 19. It says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Christ's blood has cleansed us and made us holy so that we can enter God's presence. Think about that for a second. Because I think so often we take that for granted that we've got direct access to God's presence. Thinking about some of, I guess, the rich and powerful people on earth, the Queen, our Prime Minister, President Biden... I don't think any of us here would just be able to stroll on into Buckingham Palace and walk straight into the Queen's quarters or into the Oval Office in the White House. None of us have got that kind of access. There'd be so many checks and balances, security checks, and even then we probably wouldn't even get invited anyway. But we've got direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to the creator of the universe. We've got direct access to his presence Let's never take that for granted. So these are the reasons why we've got confidence through Jesus. And so the next question is, well, what do we do with it? What should we do with that confidence? Well, the first thing is that we need to draw near to God. In verse 22, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We need to take advantage of having this unlimited access to God's presence and actually dedicate time to spend in his presence. That should be made a real priority in our lives and I've felt really challenged in preparing this message of of needing to do that, needing to set aside time to actually just sit in his presence. And I'll do a quick plug. What's the date on Wednesday? Wednesday the 2nd of March. I hadn't actually planned that, but I thought um, that was a great reminder and encouragement to the church. Wednesday the 2nd of March, we're having a soak night. And these um, nights are going to be dedicated time set aside to just soak in God's presence. Can I really encourage you to, to do that? To, um, to, to come along? I think we're planning to do it, is it monthly or however, however often? to just come along to those evenings, to really set, a t- a set aside time to just really soak in God's presence, to just wait on him, to just ignore the busyness of our lives. Um, and you don't, I mean, you don't need to come to a soak night to access God's presence. You can do that anytime. But I think as a church, that'd be a great thing for us to really get behind, to realize um, just how amazing it is to actually be able to be in God's presence. <clears throat> In verse uh, James um, 4, verse 8, a, again, another verse that you'd be fam- very familiar with. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We have that promise that it's not like we're just constantly sort of chasing after the rabbit at the greyhounds that we never kind of catch. We've got that promise that as we draw near to God, as we run to him and embrace him, he'll, he'll embrace us back. He's drawing um, near to us. So we draw near to God. The other thing that we need to do is to be steadfast in our faith. Verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 
having confidence to approach our Heavenly Father in any circumstance should help us to be unwavering in our faith and and it should help us to be steadfast in our faith. So we draw near to God, we're steadfast in our faith. The third thing that we're told to do with this confidence is to encourage others in their faith. And this is shown in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of the confidence that we have in Christ. We need to be reminded of his love, of his faithfulness, of his grace, his mercy for us. And that requires a community of believers to to come alongside one another, to spur one another on, to keep the faith, to be steadfast in our faith, to encourage us and remind us to draw near to God. And I'm reminded of that passage in the Old Testament when Aaron and Moses are on the top of a mountain and there's a battle going on and um, Moses is having to raise his hands in worship and he sees that as his hands fall that the, the battle starts um, shifting towards the opposition and so Aaron has to like hold his arms up to worship and that's as a community of believers that that's what we need to do for one another in the times when we're going through struggles and I know so many of you have been going through really challenging times at the moment it's been so wonderful to see the church come together and, and lift one another's arms up to, to support them to, to love them to encourage them and we need to continue doing that um, and again, just, yeah, reminding one another of, of the confidence that we have through Jesus. So I might just get Dart and whoever else is joining her up. We're going to spend um, some time this, this morning to just spend some time in God's presence. Reminder that the, the New Year's attitudes that we've been looking at was to revere the Lord and live lives of humility but knowing that we've got confidence before God because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can live a life of confidence knowing that we have a hope in the eternal things to come, as Asaru mentioned this morning, that we've got joy and peace and contentment that is irrespective of our circumstances. So we're going to spend some time this morning. We're going to um, worship with a song, Run to the Father, which I thought was appropriate. And I really encourage you this morning to come boldly before God. Come boldly into his presence. I know um, some of us may struggle with that um, for various different reasons, whether or not it might be tainted, your relationship with God might be tainted with your relationship with your earthly father, whether there's um, issues there of feeling like you've disappointed your father or... Um, that there was yeah a wrong a wrong relationship there that that's not God's heart for us I really pray this morning that we'd get a really clear and truthful understanding of God's love towards us and that he welcomes us into his presence and there might be some of you here or online watching and you don't have that confidence because you don't know Jesus 
And I'd encourage you that if that's you and you're interested in finding out more about Jesus, that you speak to someone at the end of the service, or if you're on online, that there's um, slides at the end of the service for you to be able to reach out to the church so that we can get in contact with you. So I'm just going to pray for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for what he accomplished on the cross. So many things that he accomplished on the, on the cross, but one of the biggest things was to be able to give us direct access to you, Lord God. That when that curtain was torn in two, it means that we can have direct access to your presence. Lord, will you give us a right understanding of you? Would you give us a better understanding of your heart towards us? Lord, would you forgive us for the times that we've had confidence in ourselves and in our own abilities? Would you forgive us for the times that we've been striving, thinking that we need to earn your love and your forgiveness? Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here this morning. Would you reveal your presence to us this morning, Lord God? Knowing that in your presence there's fullness of joy. There's rest for our souls. Would you minister this morning to us? Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.